0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Grassroots Security Podcast. This is Neil. I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. How did it go for you, Carrie? I was trying to get the last bit of sunshine before the miserable weather sets in. I'm sure that autumn and winter will not be that bad. Wishful thinking. Have you been living in another country all this time? Okay, okay. I get your point. We will see what this year brings. As usual with the disclaimer, opinions here are my own and relying on any information from this podcast is at your own risk. Now on with the show. Last week, the New Zealand stock market was hit by cyber attacks for four consecutive days from Tuesday to Friday. The exchange failed to open on time on Friday due to a distributed denial of service or DDoS. The stock market operator NZX said its networks had crashed due to cyber attacks which originated overseas. But that was not the end of it. New Zealand's stuff reported that as recent as August 31, NZX's main website was unavailable shortly after 10 a.m., but restored around 11 a.m. The usual procedure with NZX is that they publish company announcements from 8.30 a.m., and the markets are in an inquired state wherein orders cannot be entered, deleted, or amended. Then at 9 a.m., the market enters a pre-open session where traders can do anything except trade. Then at 10 a.m., market opens for regular trading the main website was not necessary for trading but was important for information purposes but last week's issue had a different outcome the NZX stock market had to be closed for trading and they referred to the reason as to maintain market integrity they could not release company announcements and we know that the markets trade based on information affecting share prices so without those company announcements people are not able to trade with all the information they needed, so NZX had to suspend trading for a period of time. Akamai also had a blog entry last August 17, which they updated on the 24th, wherein they mentioned they have been tracking attacks from the Armada Collective and Fancy Bear actors, and these actors are sending ransom letters to various organizations in the financial, travel, and e-commerce industries. Now, We do not know if the recent NZX attacks are related to the Armada Collective or Fancy Bear Actors. What is a distributed denial of service? We will start with a denial of service or DOS. It is what it says on the tin. A DOS prevents a legitimate user from accessing a service. Thus, they are being denied the service either in full or in part. This is an attack against one of the pillars of information security, which is availability. The other two are confidentiality and integrity though others may add to those pillars. A distributed denial of service is basically a denial of service, but the attack is coming from multiple sources, therefore distributed. If you remember some years ago, the Mirai botnet launched attacks in 2016 against multiple sites, ranging from a security journalist's website to the Dyn cyber attack, which impacted a portion of the domain name system or DNS ecosystem, as DNS have multiple customers from PayPal to Amazon. The Mirai botnet used unsecured Internet of Things or IoT devices, which included security cameras and digital video recorders that were connected to the Internet. And those in the Mirai controlled devices started sending requests to the target websites. Did you know that Mirai stands for Future in Japanese? Thanks for that, Carrie. Denial-of-service attacks try to consume resources of those services so they are unavailable to the legitimate users. This includes using network bandwidth and computing resources like memory, CPU, and storage. An analogy for a denial of service I will use is, let's say you want to do your groceries, and you live in LA. If you try to do your groceries on a Friday evening after work, you will encounter severe traffic even if your grocery store is just 10 miles or 16 kilometers away. This is because your path going to your destination is clogged by other vehicles who are not going to do groceries but are still in the way. This is because the motorway or the roads have a limited number of vehicles it can handle at any given time. This is the equivalent of your network bandwidth. The more vehicles on the road, the slower it will move. And then, when you reach your grocery store or supermarket, you will then see a lot of shoppers. Some are there to buy, and some are just there to browse. And with the pandemic, the grocery stores may even limit how many can get in at any given time. Other issues is that the grocery store may run out of products like toilet paper and bread, or the queue to the checkout line may be longer than usual, so service slows down. For a number of these cases, the service is not running as it should be, or you're even denied the service or product that you needed. The equivalent of the distributed denial of service is that if people from other counties like Ventura and Orange County are going to do their shopping to the same grocery store that you're going to, they should really be shopping more locally, but for some reason decided to go to your grocery store. There must be a huge sale of toilet paper. So what can we do? New Zealand's National Cybersecurity Center, or NCSC, also released a general security advisory on the ongoing campaign of of denial-of-service attacks affecting New Zealand entities. In that advisory, they specified steps an organization can take in relation to a denial of service. I have placed a link in the description to this advisory. I would mention a number of them on this podcast as they are fundamental, focusing first on the preparation. One, Identify your necessary services versus nice-to-have services. This will help determine what you will be focusing on and maintain during a denial-of-service attack. Two, work with your service provider on what their capabilities are on a denial-of-service attack prevention and mitigation. Up to what point can they withstand a denial-of-service attack? What point will they notify you of an attack? Will they cut off access to your service in the event of an attack? What will it cost? Three, Review your security incident process. Do you have the 24x7 contact details to your service provider? Does your service provider have a 24x7 contact details for you and your organization? Are there backup contact methods in the event that normal communication channels fail? For example, you need to have mobile communications in the event your company's telephone system goes down, especially with a lot of companies moving to voice over the internet. And what are your processes when you do get a denial of service? Will you disable the nice-to-have services? At what point will you disable your services or go to a static version of your website? And four, as mentioned earlier, have a static version of your website that requires minimal bandwidth and application processing to facilitate continuity of services. This may also be needed in the event you need to put out an announcement on what's happening. Then, on the protection side, one, ensure you protect your organization's domain names. Make sure they are registered locked. That is, an attacker will not be able to transfer the domain name easily, and that the contact details are correct. Wherever your domain name system or DNS servers are located, ensure the service provider is able to handle a denial-of-service attack on those DNS servers. Without DNS, your services may not be accessible. 2. Segment or partition your different services. You may need to separate your critical business services, like email, from the other online services that are often a target of of denial-of-service, Like your web services. 3. Consider putting services that are prone to attacks to a hosting provider or multiple providers that have sufficient redundancy and high bandwidth to be able to handle the denial of service. And 4. Consider a Content Delivery Network or CDN. If you are using a CDN, do not disclose the IP address of your source or origin web server and ensure that only the CDN can access the web server and that it is not open to everyone. And now the key steps when you are in the middle of a denial of service. One, follow your incident process and collaborate with your service provider and implement the response actions. Two, disable functionality or content that are often targeted like search and other dynamic content because they require your web application to process those requests. And three, you may need to put up your static website to inform customers of what's going on. And that's it. I hope this episode has been useful. Till then, slung fall. Have a good week. Take care and keep safe.